Hey everyone, welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I know I put out a couple episodes recently um, that you guys have been really supportive of, so I just wanted to thank you for that and jump into today's episode. So I've been wanting to share about this for a couple weeks as we've been going through it, but it was super emotional and I kind of wanted to get to a better, more stable place um, and then really be able to talk about our story or journey as a whole. Um, Usually I plan out more of an outline of, of how I'm going to present a topic or go through it. And I started to do that with this and it, there are just so many feelings. It's so many different paths that this can go down. So I am just going to hop on here and talk like I am talking to a friend. And I think that will be the best way to just get out everything about um, our experience. So we're going to be talking about feeding today. Now I did a feeding episode um, when I had Maddox um, a couple years ago about uh, breastfeeding formula, the uh, societal pressures, things like that. So that's definitely a good listen. Um, this is a bit different because if you have been following along, um, you know that McKenna has had some feeding challenges um, from the start. So I'm going to walk you through that and then I am going to give you an update on on where we're at now. Okay, so out of the gates this time, I feel like we were in a better place to start breastfeeding. I was definitely a lot more informed. I had obviously done it before um, and I immediately in the hospital um, was producing colostrum, started asking for um, syringes to um, store that for her even when she was in the NICU. And then I did realize that her latch was not totally normal. It was definitely uncomfortable. So I started working with uh, two really great lactation consultants um, from from the start. They helped me uh, get in touch with a pediatric uh, dentist who diagnosed her with a lip tie and a tongue tie um, that were pretty severe. So we had that procedure done to uh, release those and feeding got a lot better after that. Um, leading up to when we had that procedure done and part of the reason why um, I thought it was really necessary to to start seeing the lactation consultant um, was because she was having um, a lot of a lot of spit up issues a lot of um, gas and was just very unsettled so I thought that that had to be potentially was was because of her lot she was getting um, too much air. We were syringe feeding her for a while um, because she was early, so she didn't. She wasn't totally able to um, suck on the bottle or even latch on the breast very well. Um, so it was a. We went through a, a lot of different, um, I guess, methods on just trying to to feed her. Um, we switched her to preemie nipples, um, transition nipples for the bottles, um, and most of what I was doing um, was pumping, which I hate, <laughs> but I was pumping and then giving it to her, giving her um, breast milk in a bottle. 
um, because that was the easiest way for her to take it. Um, she also has some TMJ issues, which they diagnosed. So she was getting very tired. Her jaw was quivering when she was drinking uh, a latch on the breast for too long. Um, so that's why we had to go to mainly bottle feeding as well. Then after working with the lactation consultant, and we were also working with a pediatric chiropractor, things started to get a lot better with her latch. She was doing really well with breastfeeding. I was producing um, enough milk for her, which I was really excited about because with Maddox, I wasn't able to keep up uh, production-wise with him. Um, so this was, a we were feeling really good about it. Um, but the downside to this was she was very uncomfortable. Um, it, it was a very different experience these first four months with her than it was with Maddox. And I... I try not to compare the experiences with each of them, but in this situation, it's very hard not to because they were so different and I knew that this wasn't normal. Um, She was just so unsettled, screaming all the time. We could tell that she was just in pain. She wasn't able to sleep through the night. She wasn't able to take naps. She had to be moving. We had to be bouncing her at all times. We could never just put her down, even if it was in the swing or the bouncer. So during this time when we're trying to figure out what's going on, um, we found some blood in her stool, um, which alerted us that there was definitely more of an underlying issue going on. Um, now she had never really had regular stools. Um, they were always green, uh, mucousy and, and very loose. Um, but I, when I'd asked about it, they were kind of like, yeah, you know, sometimes it's green poop. It's fine. Like, you know, the mucus that's, that could be okay. Um, very just sort of like non- there, there wasn't an answer about it. Um, and I was thinking maybe it's kind of normal because I never had a fully breastfed baby. So I was like, Hey, maybe it's because, you know, it's all the breast milk and, and since she's not getting formula, the, uh, stool isn't as formed, but that was not the case. And that is definitely not normal. And I know that now. Um, so when she had the blood in her stool, um, we, took her to the pediatrician and we explained everything that had been going on. They were already aware that, you know, there were some struggles with, um, with her gaining weight and, um, her, you know, feeding. Um, but with this, they checked her stool, uh, sample that we, that we gave to them there. And they said it was positive for, uh, microscopic blood and there was a lot of mucus in the stool as well. Um, so at that point they told us that she had allergic colitis. Now, of course I am freaking the fuck out because someone who has IBD has Crohn's disease and has ulcerative colitis in the family that is terrifying to hear. That's my worst fear is having my baby have 
the illness that I suffer with. So hearing that was really tough. And I, I think it hit me harder too because I know how much pain I'm in when I'm having digestive issues and then thinking about my little baby experiencing that pain just heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking um now I clarified with the doctor what this actually means for her future um, and what allergic colitis actually is. So basically how it was described to me is she has an allergy to, to something um, that she was getting through the breast milk. It's called causing inflammation in her colon and inflammation in her intestines, which is causing the mucus and the blood. And she's not able to absorb um, the nutrients from the, the food that she's getting properly. So that's why she's not gaining weight. Now there isn't an indication necessarily that she's going to have IBD down the road um, but it is a possibility and just like uh, pretty much everything um, with uh, IBD there aren't enough answers yet and there aren't enough studies in kids so we don't we don't know um, all of her doctors are aware of our family history so that's something that they're they're keeping a lookout for and they said that's always in the back of their mind um but at this point they even if she did have ibd or um a a lifelong condition they wouldn't be treating it any differently than than how they're treating this allergic colitis um so after we got this news i was already really, really struggling um, mentally just with not being, not sleeping, not being able to put her down. We were just spiraling as a family because we couldn't get anything done. Uh, Maddox was just watching TV all the time because we were just having to give attention to McKenna fully. Um, And I started to get really, really depressed. And um, there were a couple days after we got the news from her doctor that I just like couldn't leave my bed. And I have not been in a situation like that mentally in, in so long. I think there are about, there are, there's a third time in my life when, um, when I've had this, this feeling and it was rough. Um, but I made the proper therapy appointments. I started working um, more closely with my psychiatrist to get on a good plan um, to deal with what I was suffering with so that I could be there to support her going going through this. Um, I felt guilty for a lot of reasons. First, I felt guilty that she was experiencing this maybe because of me and the genes that I had passed on to her. Um, then I felt guilty that I was having such an emotional reaction to what she was going through because I needed to be there for her and I needed to be strong for the family and advocate for her. 
Um, and I felt horrible that my brain just felt like it was shutting down. My body felt like it was shutting down and I couldn't be that mom that I, I wanted to be for her at that time. I was getting so frustrated because I, like I said, I wasn't sleeping. Um, and it was dark days. Um, we started to, um, to get on a, a dietary change plan for me where I took out um, all dairy products um, to see if that would help her. Um, so really all all dairy, not just, you know, like don't drink milk or eat yogurt or ice cream, but any hidden dairy and anything, um, no butter. Um, we really went all out because this, this was a pretty severe situation that she was going through. So we didn't have time necessarily to kind of, you know, dabble around. Um, things were not getting better. Um, I removed soy from my diet and things were not getting better in that case as well. Um, and I was just continuing to really spiral, um, mentally. I was tracking everything that I was eating. I was reading labels of everything. And this was very triggering for me. And I didn't realize that this was going to kind of like awaken this in me. Um, but if you've listened to other podcast episodes and, and, you know, been following along for a while, you know that, um, about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago now, I um, was in uh, partial hospitalization treatment for anorexia. Um, and I, that's always been something that's been in the back of my mind, um, you know, for the, the past decade as I've been living my life, but nothing, I, I've been able to kind of, you know, suppress it and live my life pretty, um, pretty normally without that, that creeping up. Um, but something about the high stress of the situation, the, um, you know, pressure to lose baby weight that I was putting on myself, the, um, just scrutiny over everything that I was eating. I felt myself start to slip back into some of those behaviors, um, that I, was experiencing before and I did not and I do not want to go back to that dark place. Um, I let my support system know so people close to me um, and I also let the pediatrician know that we needed to figure out a solution for formula for her because Number one, taking the milk and the soy out wasn't working. Um, I couldn't continue to dwindle down on the things that I was eating um, because it was getting very dangerous for me and my mental state. Um, But also nothing was helping. We needed her to feel better because she was still not gaining weight, feeling sick, not being able to sleep. Like she was so miserable. Um, and then a, a kind of side note from that is we were really worried like about having other people watch her. So luckily I've been on maternity leave um, and Matt had, you know, flexibility, um, but we couldn't send her to daycare or or to have anyone else watch her because she's so was so high needs. Um, and that kind of freaked me out because you know, we have jobs and careers and, and we have to work and make money and provide for our families. So that was 
always in in the back of of my mind. Um, so we worked with the pediatrician to try many different formulas, um, and it at the beginning of when we were were making that shift to formula, there was talk of, hey, are you sure that you don't want to just continue trying to dwindle things down in your diet and see if that helps? Um, because it could be really hard to find formula with the shortage and with these specific uh, formulas that you're going to need to get for her. And it took me being really persistent about the mental health piece for them to realize, okay, th that is not going to be an option. Um, but going through that, I was feeling absolutely horrible because I already felt bad that I was letting my daughter down by not being able to continue breastfeeding. I felt like it was me giving up. Felt like it was another thing where my mental health was causing harm to her, causing me not to be able to give her the, you know, the best that I could. Um, and that sent me on a spiral too. I also felt really guilty because I was actually producing enough milk this time and I had a freezer stash for her and was I just giving up if I switched her to the formula now at this point I had shared a bit about what we were going through on social media and I had some moms um, some mom friends reach out to me and share their experiences and that pulled me through I hearing that they were in these situations where they were struggling like I was they were mentally not doing great as they were going through it and a lot of them said when they had switched to the formula it made a huge difference for their their kids so that I just kind of held on to that, that there were other people that are going through this. I wasn't the only person and there was going to be a light at the end of, of the tunnel. Um, I joined some uh, support groups online, um, like Facebook groups, and that was really helpful just to see other people really going through it too. Um, There's a lot of guilt around feeling like I couldn't necessarily bond as quickly with McKenna because all of our interactions were mainly focused around feeding and were all pretty negative. It was screaming, trying to calm her down. Um, or if I wasn't holding her, trying to feed her and calm her down, then I was pumping. Um, or we were at doctor's appointments all the time. So I, I think that contributed to my mental state not being great is because, you know, I'm so excited to have my daughter and then it, we're just off to this super, super rocky start. Um, and I feel like it's all my fault, even though logically I know it's not, but you can't, you can't talk your brain out of feeling that way when you're in, in the thick of it. Um, yeah. So we got her on a formula now that works for her. It was, it's been a, it, she's, four and a half months now. So it's been a long process to get her to this point. Um, and she's been on this formula, um, Nutrimogen for a couple weeks. It's been like three weeks that she's been exclusively on it now. Also, I hope I'm saying that right. Nutrimogen. I don't 
No, all of these have like crazy different names, but that's that's what I'm calling it. Um, <laughs> so we actually had tried that before and she w- wouldn't tolerate it. But then we went back and tried it again because the other hypoallergenic formula that we had her on, she would not even drink it at all. Um, so this is kind of the best thing that we that we found that had, had worked for her. Um, and we've been able to find it um, decently easily enough. Um, a lot of, you know, ordering online um, and or ordering ahead for mobile orders and stuff just to make sure that they have it. Um, but she's been tolerating it well. Now, we aren't totally out of the woods yet with everything. Um, we just had her four-month appointment um, a couple weeks ago and – or last week. And um, she is still not really gaining weight where they'd like her to be. She's in a very low percentile um, for weight. She's still growing lengthwise and head circumference-wise, which is promising, um, but we really need her to kind of chunk up and put on some some pounds, um, and that's been a struggle just with the feeding issues that we've had, and we're hoping that after being exclusively on the formula for a while, that will help her. Um, so they delayed her shots a couple weeks and we're, we're going to go back, um, in two weeks to do a weight check-in, see how she's doing and see what we need to do to re, if we need to reevaluate. Um, so I, I'm really nervous about that because we don't know what the future is going to hold. We're hoping that this formula is going to continue working. Um, but she isn't a totally, you know, back to what a baseline should be as far as bowel movements and um, mucus in her stool. And they tested her last week and she was still having um, blood and mucus in her stool uh, that they were able to see. Um, So we're just kind of waiting. I will say that the past couple weeks have been a night and day difference for her being on the formula she's felt so much better it I there's no way to describe this difference um I was so worried about switching her to the formula not having her own breast milk and I still have pangs of of guilt about that but seeing how different of a baby she is makes me feel so secure in that decision that we made and our family other people that are around her have noticed how cheerful she is and it's gonna make me cry like talking about this but she just has such a like beautiful personality and it was really hard for us to um experience that with her and for other people to see it and for her to just be herself because she was in so much pain and what the doctor had said is she was probably just not hitting milestones and and stuff like that because she was just in survival mode she was just trying to eat what she could and sleep and when she couldn't and survive which like breaks my heart that my baby was spending so much time like feeling that horrible um but then seeing her over the past couple weeks she's just blossomed she 
has been smiling. She's been giggling. She's been playing with toys. She's been able to do tummy time. She's rolled over. She's interacting with Maddox. Like, uh, she is just blossomed into this personality that she always had but just was in pain so she couldn't couldn't show us um so I just really hope that continues we still have moments of distress where you could tell that she's uncomfortable um we have her on a reflux medicine now now too which they they gave to us um and that seems to be helping um but like I said, yeah, she still she still has moments where she's inconsolable and you can tell she's in pain. Um, so the problem isn't gone all the way. Uh, I don't know if we're still waiting for, you know, her intestines to heal a bit. Um, and then maybe it will continue to get better if this is just what her baseline is going to look like. But either way, this is such a huge improvement. Um, and... I'm just so thankful that she's that she's feeling okay again um with her feeling better that has led to a lot less stress in the house um we've as a family have been in a in a better mood I think we've been able to um just get in in a better routine um, because it really felt like for the first four months of her life we were just totally in survival mode no one was sleeping at normal times Maddox's schedule is all crazy our schedule was crazy like we were literally just waking up and every day it was like what can we do to to get from point a to point b um so now we've been able to like enjoy a lot more time together um and my mental health has gotten a lot better as we've as i've seen her get better um i've also been taking time to prioritize my mental health um i got very scared when i got to you know that that dark place a lot of what i had struggled with um with Maddox and even at the beginning uh with McKenna was postpartum anxiety and postpartum OCD um and I feeling as down as I had felt it, that was it was just very very alarming um alarming to me because it's not something that I had prepared myself for and I don't think anyone prepares themselves for it um but I'm just really thankful that I had the support system and I had the the resources um there to to help so that's where we're at right now it's like I said it's been a journey um there's a lot on the hereditary IBD piece of this that I would love to explore because there's so many mixed things that I hear about um, IBD being hereditary or genetic or not. Um, I think right now there's a statistic that only 3% of IBD cases are linked to hereditary, um, uh, hereditary causes, but that does not seem right to me. I am not a researcher or medical professional, but just with everyone that I've connected with in the community and hearing about how many family ties there are, um, that's been eye-opening. And then it's also been interesting to talk to other moms who have 
kids who have went through, um, you know, experiencing the allergic colitis, just like McKenna has, and have they had allergies later on? Have they developed intestinal issues later on? Um, do they have someone in their family who has uh, IBD or Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis? So. I've been conducting sort of my own research study to get uh, to get an idea of just I'm just curious, um, and I haven't found anything definitive yet, obviously. But I have heard of a lot of other um, parents who or babies who have parents that have IBD um, and then have had this. So um, a lot of my mom friends that I'm talking to are their kids are still young so we don't really know what that's going to look like for them when they when they grow up um so it would be nice if there were more you know studies out there so if this was something that was would be indicative of a bigger issue we could maybe treat it or or handle it um but there's not so i am just standing strong in the thought that I am McKenna's mom for a reason. I am able to advocate for her and make sure that she is getting the treatment that she needs. I feel horrible that she's going through this, but I feel like I was meant to be her mom to help her through this. Um, And I will continue to help her and advocate for her and truly feel her pain. And it's a different level of feeling your kid's pain. Like when Maddox is hurt or sad or sick, it breaks my heart. Like as a parent, you're just, you feel for your kid. It's unlike anything you've ever felt before. Um, But then in, in this situation, it just hit me so much different because I have felt that pain. I feel that pain. I know what it's like. It cuts me to my core. Thinking about her, experiencing that, not only as a person, but as my child. And it breaks my heart that other children out there are are experiencing this too. IBD, allergic colitis, intestinal issues in general are not fun. It sucks that we have to deal with them. Um, but really like with everything else, we're getting through it and the online community and my little mom community that I've leaned on have been absolutely amazing. And I think that's where a lot of these stories come back to and our journey comes back to is the sense of community. You can't get through this alone. You need support systems. We need people that are sharing their stories or else we're just going to think that all of us are, are struggling, sitting alone in our house, hating our lives, not knowing what to do to console our children, not knowing if anyone else outside of our four walls are feeling the same things that we're feeling. So the more that we share and the more that we're open about it and the more that we don't act like we just have our shit together, the more it's going to help other people. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the core, the core of why I share and, 
and do what I do. So we will wrap it up on this topic for today. There are definitely so many pathways that we can go down further. I mean, the eating disorder link, the genetic IBD link. I mean, there are just so many layers to to this, um, just like there are with pretty much everything uh, that, that we chat about here. Um, but if you want to continue to listen, I will be here sharing. And if you want to follow along for more frequent updates, make sure to follow me on Instagram at chronically blonde. And you can check out my website, chronicallyblonde.com. Thank you guys for the support. And I hope you have a great, great week.